<clears throat> so, um, so yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a review. So just let's just roll through, right? Uh, Adam and Eve, right? What was the rebellion, right? They, what they do? Right? Grab the fruit. We don't know if it was apple price, just, you know, fruit. Um, you know, they kind of going for their own instead of just staying under God's <laughs> command. So what was the consequence? What was the judgment? You know, spiritual death, exile, you, you can't, you got to go. You can't be here, right? But God's gracious response to the rebellion, and even though he judged things in that moment and there were consequences, God's gracious response is they're still going to, he promises a seed from, from the woman. Even though you grab that, that, that fruit, there's still a plan. That's right. And it's going to come through you. So we see that kind of pattern actually continue, right? Because you got Cain, right? He's got rebellion. What does he do? Kills his brother. Fratricide. That's even worse, probably, when you think about it. Just, not just murder. Killed his brother. Uh, the judgment. What, what happens? What's the consequence? You got to go, right? So you cast him off. You know, you, you, have to, you have to be a wanderer and a nomad. All right? But God's gracious response, you're not going to have to suffer the same fate that you committed on your brother. I'll give you a mark that will protect you. And then, interestingly, after this deeply hurtful moment in, in, the, in the story of, of us with God, people and God, a murder, after this story, we actually get a genealogy in, Gen- in Genesis 5. So after Cain does all that in Genesis 4, we actually get a genealogy in chapter 5. What do you think that could mean to someone reading this? You know? Something bad happens. People are so bad they actually take life, right? So the plan must must be over. God might as well shut the whole program down. Lots of fruitful and multiply. You still get you still get fruitful and multiply. That's right. God's not giving up. That's right. So the genealogy isn't just something to skip because it's a bunch of names and ages. If you're if, and think about it, if you're a Jew and you're thousands of years later, you're in exile somewhere. The plan messed up. You didn't follow the law. Now you're in some other country. You're reading Genesis. Oh, see, even, even when we mess up, we can still, we can still make it. We can still multiply. There can be life after this. So the genealogies can be cool in that respect, too. Noah. Rebellion? I think so. Every inclination of every heart, right? Evil. Consequence judgment? Yes. There's a flood, right? God's gracious response. Noah, I'll acknowledge your faith and I'm going to give you a plan to save you, your life. And guess what happens after Noah in Genesis 9? Guess what happens in chapter 10? Genealogy. Oh. So wait, even though we were so messed up that God had to do that drastic action, there's still life. People are still being fruitful and multiplying. After Noah, Babel. Tower Babel. And Mick, you know, took us through last week or two weeks ago. Or whatever. It, was, it was amazing. The rebellion. They, they refused to scatter. You know, and they, were, they were not willing to go and be, be fruitful and, and, and populate the earth. They're they going to stay in one place and do their thing and show how awesome they are, right? That kind of stuff. Was there a judgment? Absolutely. God confused their language and scattered them anyway. But what is God's gracious response? And that really is the backdrop for today. And scattering the people, confusing their language, creating 
really the, the groundwork for various ethnicities, nations, cultures all over the world. God put that into practice right here, basically. But what happens is God's called Abram through one family. I'm going to bless the whole world. That's God's right, his response, his gracious response to the Tower of Babel. And just like we've been talking about, after God had to just scatter everybody and confound their language, <coughs> we get another genealogy after the Tower of Babel. And that's where we kind of pick it up, you know, today in Genesis, the very end of Genesis 11. Um, before we get to Genesis 12, we got, you know, read the very end of Genesis 11. And we get this, we get this, uh, you know, genealogy and you're just reading along and in verse, you know, 26, we find out about this guy named Terah after he lived 70, 70 years. He became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Okay, cool. Abram, we know it. Oh, sweet. We know Abram. We like him. Verse 27, <coughs> it gets a little deeper in that Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. Everybody knows Lot, right? We're going, we're going to meet up with Lot later on. <coughs> While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. So Abram lost his brother, one of his brothers. Don't know why he died, don't know how he died, we just know he died. But verse 29 says, Abram and Nahor both married. Okay, so one brother died, but Abram and Nahor got married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran. Stop. What are you feeling? Confused. Confused, right? What's going on? Inter, uh, marrying within the family. And what, who did he marry? Who did Nahor marry? His niece, right? He married his niece. Now, right now, you're disgusted. Some of you. Or you're like, or you're, or you're like tripping. Like, what the heck is that? Or, that's crazy. Those, that's, what are they doing? And all I'm saying is just be careful when you read these how does God feel about it? Don't know. You don't know, right? But, but what you don't know is it's not called out as sin. And here's the deal. God is, we've already seen so far <laughs> that the, the, the record that we have in Genesis, they're really good at pointing out when people mess up. <laughs> we, it's a good, they're, they're good, you know, pretty good about that. But right in this moment, right, there's no condemnation that Nahor married his niece. And if anything, you might be wondering, well, why didn't, why didn't Abram just marry his other daughter? And that's where some people get off into the rabbit hole, you know, where Abram already knew Sarai was childless, but still married her, even though he should have just married um, his niece. Because Nahor had another, or Haran had another daughter, Iskah. He could, why didn't he marry her? If his, if his brother married the other daughter, why didn't, he just, why didn't they just both marry the same? But he married a woman that was childish. Did he know she was child or barren? I mean, <clears throat> we don't know. But some people go down the rabbit hole. Yes. So it, is it assumed that this was sin? Then? Like, I mean, was it, even though it's not called out a sin, it was, or is this something that developed, like marrying within your family over time? We will see that how this works. In other words, it does not look in any way that there's anything wrong with this. That God has a problem with this. In fact. In fact, if you want to extrapolate this out, this, this niece that, that he marries, he marries his niece, she has some kids. One of, one of her kids, this niece, one of her kids is a guy named Bethul. Anybody, does that ring a bell for anybody? You might know his, okay, the Bethul had some kids. Have you ever, had a, have you ever heard of Laban and Rebecca? Yeah. Oh, 
Do they factor in the good stuff? Rebecca's pretty important in this thing. There is no Rebecca without that marriage. So that's in the plan. It does, God's not down on it. And we shouldn't be either because God doesn't pronounce any negativity on it. So be careful with your values, your current way to view the world, and reading it into this text. Sometimes we do that with a lot of this stuff. And I'm just giving you one example of it's not condemned right here. You know? So we shouldn't just condemn it. It's an, to us, odd. But there's no, there's no huge pause and let's deal with this, you know. I'm sorry, did you have? <laughs> um, is, is this a progression of time thing to where, like, the, what's written in Leviticus about, like, sexual, like, I guess, like, marriage morality or sexual morality, I'm not sure how it's classified as far as, like, who you're to marry and who you're not to marry. Yeah, you just talked, you just nailed it. It's time. We're not, this is pre-law. This is, there's no mosaic law. There's no nothing yet. This is, this is pre-all of that. Okay? So, again, there's no, they're, they're not breaking any laws. That we, they know, no, more, no moral laws, no nothing. Uh, and that's why, the, in, in my opinion, that's why the Bible doesn't stop here and go, you know, this is bad. It does it. It keeps it going. And then later on, you're going to be grateful that they had the kid, cause he, or else this plan's not going to work too good. Because you, you, need, you need Rebecca. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, so Sarai is childless, verse 30, and she's not able to conceive. And so this is a huge problem. Huge problem. Uh, and uh, obviously, you know, the metaphor is hopelessness, right? Um, Walter Brueggemann says, no human power to invent a future. You're hopeless. It's, it's, it's the, the metaphor. <laughs> what? No, there's nothing a human can do in this moment. This is so, and, and her barrenness is one of the, the principal drivers of the plot. It's one of the main, the main drivers. Uh, the, the, the plot often moves around this challenging issue, right? Um, and so, so that's kind of like a little bit, you know, of a backdrop, but it doesn't end there. Then it gets even, you know, I was all, let's just skip over, but I didn't want to skip over. Let's just keep going. Verse 31. So Terah took his son Abram. Who's Terah? Abram's dad, okay? All right, so, so you get the picture. So Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Stop. Why? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. And who's leading the trip? Terah. So, again, you can go down a rabbit hole if you want. Some people say there were two calls to Abraham, to Abram at the time, and uh, he didn't maybe heed the first one, or he got he got a call while he was still in Ur of the Chaldeans, and maybe he told his dad, you know, hey, this God said I got to leave my family and I got to go. Where, which God? I don't know. Where are you going? He didn't say. And maybe, maybe Terah was like, dude, you're crazy. And I've already lost one son. I'm not losing you. So, and I'm the one that runs this family. So if we're going to go to where we're going to go, I'm running the show. We don't know. This is speculation. But when you read Acts chapter 7, Stephen actually makes a comment that God called Abram while he was in Ur of the Chaldeans. So either Genesis 12 is a, you know, flashback. To a moment that already happened, or it's you know, or there were two calls. Again, we don't get a line. I don't. You kind of have to think about it. You, you know, I don't know. I don't have the answer. But what we do know is, Terah is the one that says he's taking the family, and then they leave. 
And then they come to Haran and they settle there. So what's the question you have here? Haran was the son. That, true, that's the same name, right? It's a, there's a place called Haran and there's a son that died called Haran. But where were they originally going? Look at your map. Do you know where Ur, Ur do you, I don't know if you know where Ur is. Ur is, you see the little globe on your map at the bottom, that little globe? Ur is like right above the globe. You see it? You are. See that little city? Now, if you just follow the Euphrates River, just go north. You know, kind of go north. Keep going up the Euphrates, right? You just keep going. And then there's like a little tributary. And it's kind of, the, you know, you're going about 500 miles kind of kind of northwest. And you'll see Haran up there. On You know, it's, it's up there. So so they went about 500-something miles, but that's not the land of Canaan. So we don't know why Terah decided to go there. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. And two... We, we know where he said he wanted to go, but we don't know why he stopped. Why did they stop there when they were supposed to be going all the way to Rome? The Bible doesn't say this is why they stopped. We just got to, you know, we just got to roll with it. Some people say that they stopped there because this was a center for the worship of the moon gods, uh, which were heavily uh, worshipped in Ur of the Chaldeans as well. And this is one of the main places. I don't know. I don't have an answer, but that's what some people say. So here you got, so that's the kind of the backdrop of Abram's early life. And we're trying to figure, we're piecing it together. Interesting. And then we get to the world famous, you know, Genesis 12, right? Verse 1. The Lord said to Abram. Nice. That's the voice of God. Yeah. Yeah. There's zero connection between... Haran and Haran. Correct. As far as we, yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. Just the same name. <coughs> uh, yes. Canaan is actually like where modern day kind of the you know, Jerusalem area, all that. So kind of go down the Mediterranean, you know, that coastal region of the Mediterranean. It doesn't, I don't even know if it says Canaan on there or not in that particular map, but that's the area, you know. Cities like Shechem, cities like. You know, Biblos and all that on that Mediterranean coast area. You know, that's the land of Canaan, the promised land, all that stuff. So that's where they were heading. And you go, well, dang, why didn't they just cut across and just, well, if you cut across, you last about three minutes because that's desert. There's no QTs. There's no public. There's no nothing. That's why they, they're hugging the, the rivers. They're hugging the rivers. Right? I mean, it's just practical. They're hugging the rivers. They go up and then they go over. It's about a thousand miles. So it's like from going here to like the panhandle over Texas, Oklahoma. That'd be the trip. Um, With, you know, obviously just walking in camels or whatever. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Okay. So what's he leaving? Country. <laughs> yeah, everything. Right, basically, right? Leave your land, right? Your I mean your community, your father's house, everyone and everything that made you you. I need you to leave. Here's the issue though. What were other up to this point of what we've read? When God tells somebody they gotta leave, what is usually the, the connotation? Exile. Exile. Like something negative. You know, leave the Garden of Eden. Cain, you got to go, right? Tower of Babel, y'all got to leave. Y'all just got, 
But in this, this is the first time it's not punitive. Abram hasn't done anything wrong. But there, but there's a sense of you got to go somewhere, right? Um, and so this journey emphasizes displacement, a lack of material security, even security for your own life, and just the unknown. And the thing, think about the things Abram must leave are well defined, you know. He's leaving his culture, his family, people he knows, you know, like he knows these people. It's very well defined. This is what you're leaving. But what is he going to? Is that well defined? No. 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 Go to where I'm going to tell you to go. Oh, thanks. You know, thousand mile trip. (laughs) And I don't even know where I'm going. Think about that. You leave all that's familiar, everything comfortable, everything that made you, you. And God says, you got to let that go. And, you, and where I'm telling you to go, you know it's going to require faith. It's going to require faith. Yeah, Mike. You, you, I think, address this, but in verse 31 of chapter 11 <coughs> mm-hmm. and again in 12.1, one, you think that's the same call or two distinct different calls? That, that's the thing. It, it could yeah. be a... Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. You can find scholars... You, Draw a line on each side. Yeah. But I know it doesn't say like God called to law to do this, but what if that was the first calling and he was going to take his whole family and he didn't go far enough, so then God was like, yeah, all right, you're it, you go. It, it could be. It could be. It's just that then then the author is now blanking the call to Terah. Yeah. So he just chose yeah, to leave that. leave that out. So that's the challenge on that one that, you know, because that's the other. Maybe God called Abram's dad and, and Abram's dad just didn't have the juice and just started to stop, you know, <laughs> and Abram picked up the picked up the mantle. But then, then again, anything you choose, something's blank. Like there's a you're going to fill it. You got to fill in a gap. Um, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying you got to, you know, you have to fill in. But the language later, I think it might answer it. I'm sorry. Did somebody? No, yeah. I, I just was going to say, like, you know, I'm looking at this map and everything and thinking. He wasn't looking at this map. He was not looking at this map. No. He was not. No maps. No maps. Walk out the door and head towards the horizon. You know, and I I think the thing is that (coughs) we live in such a place of so much sight that it's very difficult for us to conceive of this kind of faith. Like for us, it's faith to pray for something we don't... There's not a... Walk away from everything that's familiar to you and follow the horizon or follow the river and period. And you have no way to know how you're going to get your food. Where, and, and I think that there's a part of that that is very, very different. But I think it should also challenge us that maybe God expects for us to have a whole lot deeper faith than we do have. Yeah. That, that, we, that, that maybe he really is saying there's a whole lot more that you would be able to do if you just walk not seeing Yep. And to me, that challenges me. I literally looked at this thinking, he's not looking at the snap. He has no way to to get his bearings, you know. Oh, maybe this, maybe. Yep. No way to tell north from south from, you know, just a sunrise, sunset. But there was this sense that God was enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you add on top of that, he just got his social security check <laughs> right he's in his 60s at this point 65, 75 whatever so so and you go well they were living to be 900 anyway that's 
Actually, how old was his dad when his dad died, though? So the, 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 the length of years is starting to taper. So he's closer to to the death date than uh, than usual. So, yes, I'm sorry, somebody. I, I was just kind of struck when you were talking about, um, you know, he's he's got, he's kind of sat, he knows everything, he's, come, you know, he's, and God calls him out of all that and the challenge of that. But then the intensity of this promise, and I just, you know, I just think of the, how man goes after, you know, stuff that his is going to acclaim his name, power, uh-huh, uh-huh. In especially more and more, you know, in our world. And and God said, yeah, you're, you're going to leave everything you know, but, but. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great. I mean, to, to like, if he wasn't humble before God and God told him that, he'd be like, you know, just like puffing up. Mm-hmm. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those. You know, just the power that he's putting in Abraham's in that promise. Um, it just made me think, you know, yeah, you're leaving all this. And, and just the level of his trust. Be, and again, you know, just, I don't know. And then the, the sacrifice later, you know, all of this making me think this guy trusted God. <laughs> yep. he, he left it all. God lays this incredible promise out in front of him, and he's like, I believe you. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And so here we, here we are again. You know, here we are again. I will give you abundant life. I will take care of you. You will have everything you need. Just, just all you need to do is just stay away from this one. Right? So I'm a covenant-keeping God. So that's, that's, that's my nature. That's how I am. You just got you to trust it. Uh, I, I see it. One, it's fine. Oh, you know? Cain, look, here's the deal. I got you. Your life is going to be great. You know, you will appreciate your life. You, it'll, it'll be great. Just don't do this because there's consequences. Sin is at you. Don't do it. I'm te- But I'm here. I'm communicating. I'm with you. Ah, you did what you want to do. You know what I mean? And so, so Noah, I mean, it's, are you, I'm going to build this, this thing, but you if, you, if you don't come through, I'm look like an idiot for the rest of my life. You know, it's like, are you, can I trust you, God? Can I, are you a God that's trustworthy? Are you going to keep your word? I mean, that, these are the moments that these people have to deal with, real moments. You're, exactly. So here's again, Abram. You leave everything you know. Everything, everything's comfortable. But what? Yeah, I'll make you into a great nation. But it, so here it is again. Like God is going to do this, but you have, but but we have to do stuff too. And that's that whole. We got to. There's a covenant that means there's two parties involved, right? And so. At this point in the story, hopefully we see God keeps his end. <laughs> and, you know, but will, will Abram be able to leave all that security to go towards all this insecurity and put his trust, you know, in God? And, and when you, you know, break it down, there's seven elements of, you know, all the I will, I will do this, right? Biblical number seven is what? You know, completion, perfection, right? But there's seven elements, you know. To this, so if you're, a, you know, a Jew, that means something to you. When the number seven, you see that, that's like, wow, this is a perfect, complete, amazing blessing. You know, the first four are kind of d- directed towards Abram. The last three are kind of more for others. That's kind of how God kind of works. Even the Ten Commandments kind of have that that vibe. Even the Beatitudes kind of have that vibe a little bit. And so there's this kind of, you see some patterns kind of emerging, right? Well, actually, not emerging. It's kind of early. And later stuff kind of builds off of it. 
Um, so, yeah, so at the end of the day, though, here we have a situation where there's an individual that God is going to work through to bless the whole world. Crazy. And in verse 4, we get, so Abram went. And this is where I start going. This might be the writer trying to make a dichotomy, so to speak, or, or juxtapose Terah and Abram, maybe. You know, Terah kind of gets supposed to go all the way. He doesn't go all the way. God gives Abram this crazy thing. Abram goes. True. Abram goes, you know. Um, and so he went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And so, again, the, the other thing is, is um, you know, when Terah, the other aspect is Joshua 24. In Joshua 24, verse 2. Mm-hmm. It says, um, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. And so, so that is kind of the, the legacy of, of kind of Terah. Worshiped other gods, didn't go all the way. But here's Abram who, here's this <coughs> crazy, crazy commission. And he actually gets up and leaves, um, takes his family And what does it say at the end of verse 5? They set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And and we read that, and we just go, oh, that's cool. But look at the map. That's a long way. That's a lot of people. My goodness. Give the man some credit. 75 years old. My goodness gracious. But hey, they arrived there. They made it to the the place where God wanted them to be. You know, um, so whereas Terah, that might have been a uh, motivated who knows by what. But we know this is a spiritual pilgrimage um, and, and it looks like it's, it succeeds with God's help. Yeah. You know, I mean, this, this is this whole area, the whole world probably at that time is <clears throat> nomadic. It was survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a dad, what do you what's your first reaction? You want to protect your family. Right, and you're going to a place where you have no idea. That's right. If your family's going to be wiped out, if your daughters and wives are going to be taken captive, if there's going to be somebody stronger than you that is, you know, a, a tribe or whatever that's stronger. Than you. I mean, it, it's a yeah. it's a lot to think about. Yeah, it's that's a lot right. to think about. That's and, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, Oh, Belabra, when we went to Africa in 89, we went to the library here. There was no internet in 89. And we tried to find pictures. We couldn't find any pictures, couldn't find any information. So I talked to Mike Tolliver. I said, should I go to a scouting trip first? And Mike used this scripture. He said, no, like Abraham, you should just go. And I thought, oh, wow, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't have gone if I'd done a scouting trip. I don't know. But, but I, I do say this, like, like Dave said, you think about your health, your kids, your future, where are we going to go, what are we going to do, how the language, the peoples. This is all a very foreign place. And honestly, in the 1980s, people did go on mission teams. They don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. We're not planning to do that. So something's happened. We've become more sophisticated or calculated or careful or something. And I'm just saying, I hope we can recapture that at some point. People willing to go out and do some different things. It's a great adventure if you can. Yeah, what a great adventure. I mean, imagine if you'd gone all that way. I mean, so Abram, you know, he makes a thousand miles, whatever, and all this crazy terrain. So if you were were with that caravan, 
And you get there, and, and somehow you this is the spot. Well, how would you be feeling? You'd be like, thank God. I mean, what, you'd probably be grateful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how would you feel about God? Like he let me. He got. Right. He got us here. He said we. That's right. Right. So you, wouldn't you be grateful? Like this is an amazing God. That's right. Wow. And then you read. Now there was a famine in the land. How do you feel about God now? But no, so you know what I'm saying. You, you know, you talk about. Hold up. The only reason why I'm here is because of you, God. And now I get here, and there's a famine. I mean, after that intensely long journey, your reward is a famine. I mean, come on. I mean, guys, this is a moment. This is a potential problem that this could be a deal breaker in the faith department. Oh, God, maybe you God, maybe you aren't trustworthy. Maybe see, maybe I made a mistake following you. You know how much I gave up to come here? And now I come here and you're not providing? Mm. I mean, that's, that, that, <laughs> and don't tell me you sitting in this room have never felt that. Yeah. It, it, it might not be a situation about a trip that you're taking, but it's something else in your life. You thought, you thought following God was going to provide something else. Right. And then you feel, you, you literally feel that it's empty, a place that you were hoping would right. provide some, some, something more. You know, and so, so what's, what's, you know, Abram's got a choice. You know, and he chooses to go down to Egypt to live there for a while because the, the, the famine was severe. And the, in, the, in the Bible, it's when, it, when it says go down to Egypt, it's not just about geography. Uh, Kathleen O'Connor says going down to Egypt anticipates descent into slavery and going up to Canaan signifies escape and return. So this is not just geography that they had to go down. This is not. So now you're getting to like, oof. there's nowhere where God called Abram to go to Egypt. So kind of it, it, the way it's written, it definitely feels like, you know, Abram's kind of going on his own. Right. But what were his options? He could have stayed. So if he stayed during the famine. Then then what does what do you think that would say? How would that action speak to? How he felt about God. Trust. Right. I mean, right. Because he would have to explain himself. Right. Like, Abram, why aren't we going anywhere? God told us to come here. Last time I checked, this is where we are. So he's going to he's gonna have to come through. I mean, that was an option. Right. And it's kind of no different. Not no different. But I think there's some similarities with Jesus in the wilderness. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? The spirit. This was a, it was a God ordained moment. It was a God ordained trip. Jesus gets in the wilderness. Is there food? No. Right. There's no there's hunger. So it's a it's a spirit trip. There's hunger when he gets there. Same situation. Right. And then it's like, OK. Oh, Jesus, why don't you go outside of God's will and just eat? You can make some bread. Just make some bread. Just make some bread. Just go to Egypt. There's food down there. Just go to Egypt. So it's either you can stay in God's will, you know, with the stones and the drought and the hunger. Or go outside of God's will and you might get fed. Or other things could happen too, you know what I mean? So, yeah. 
Um, I was just thinking, like, applying this to my own life and stuff is that it's easy. When you have a husband that takes you somewhere and it just it's all messed up? <laughs> is that what you're going to say? Uh-huh. We're in spiritual nomads with God kind of thing, right? right? I mean, basically, Abraham was responsible for a lot of people. And he didn't have Isaac yet, but he still had his nephew. He had Sarai. He had a whole, probably hundreds of people, you know what I mean? So I just think sometimes when you are a parent or I wasn't thinking about being married, but whatever the, whatever the thing is, like when other people are around you, it, it can pressure you to do something that if it was just you and God, you might be more faithful because you're trying to cater to other people or am I going to, how am I going to take care of this situation? How am I going to take care of that situation? Mm-hmm. And um, I just can imagine him trying to, you know, like, yeah. And I'm sure people were saying, like, let's go to Egypt. Let's go. I need food. Like, I'm hungry. Like, Abraham, can you take care of me? I'd come all this way with you. And I'm your, you know, servant or what? All the people he had to take care of. Yep. And so he decides that he's going to. For what again? We don't know exactly what the conversations were, but I would I I would be shocked if they weren't like that. Um, and he decided to go. You know, let's go to Egypt, right? And uh, so he's he's acting more out of fear than faith. At the end of the day, yeah. he's he's acting more out of fear. Yeah, I had a thought based on, on your thought. Um, you pointed out Acts seven, Jeff. Yeah. And in my KJV, it says that um, he was told. Get out of your country and from your relatives and mm-hmm. come to land that I will show you. And he was told that in Mesopotamia before he went to Iran. So maybe his father went with him. Mm-hmm. So maybe he started moving and his family went with him. But then, you know, and then his father died and he kept on going. And that does raise some questions, like to your point, maybe there's a reason he told him to leave his relatives behind and <laughs> go and tell you where I'm going. Mm-hmm. He might have had an easier time of it if he had gone by himself. But his family came came with him, so that's really interesting. Other thing too that strikes me is that they never qualify Abraham in the Bible. He's just introduced. Like with Noah, it said he was a righteous man. You know, they had others in the Bible who were known to night. Abraham just became Abraham, and then he started following him. And he comes from Edom, right? He's, he's, he's that that area where the Israelites later fight. So this is so fascinating to find this person who comes from the east, serving other gods. And God tells him to move, and then we just kind of watch him move, and we see his faith, you know, unfold, mm-hmm. but he's never qualified in the beginning, which I think is just really interesting. Yeah, he just uh, kind of comes out. <laughs> it's almost like Elijah, honestly. Like, you read the Bible, where is it? Where? Elijah shows up, he's right in the king's court, like, dude, it ain't going to rain. Like, whoa, where's this guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. More of a question. So earlier on it said, <clears throat> in the land of Ur, where you and your father, your father and his wife worship other gods, I would imagine religion is something like father teaches your sons and teaches their kids. Mm-hmm. Their kids. Do we have any kind of ideas? I would imagine at one point Abraham worshipped the same God, but it seems like God, he's kind of dividing that. Your fathers did, you didn't. Is there any kind of insight into that dividing line or why that isn't? No, I mean not that I have, but I mean you can research it. But at the end of the day, I'm I w- I'm assuming that Abram was right there with him, you know, um, worshiping probably the moon god, and, uh, you know, and then, and then somehow God broke through to him. I, no idea. Yeah, 
So it's funny you were sitting together and I think we're sort of thinking a lot of You know, so, so I'm, I'm curious, so part of me, so I never connected the dots with Tarah wanting to go to Canaan first. Yep. Right? And so now as, I'm, as, you, as we're discussing this, I'm sort of wrestling with the faith of Abraham in the sense that, okay, if, this, if his dad's goal is to get to Canaan, right? And his dad was like, oh, snap, let's just hang out in Haran. He died in Haran. As his son, would he not want to continue on his dad's desires and wishes? So that's one, 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 one section. But then also the, okay, God is awesome section is, even if that w- was the case, could God have used that sort of disposition to, in, to, to, to command him, to, you know, to call him to actually go to the same place that his father was going, you know? I'm sort of thinking kind of like Lion King, you know, when like <laughs> Mufasa appears to Simba, you know? And it's like, okay, that's Mufasa, that's not God, right? Uh-huh. That's my dad telling me, go back, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> so that calling have been to Ra, go to Canaan, yeah. you know? Like, is there any sort of well, at the end of the day, that could have been again all of these moments we re- we have to sure. we have to fill in something right. somewhere. Mm-hmm. But th- there's just nowhere in the text does it say Abram was moved by his by because his father didn't make it. He was moved yeah. to continue that journey. But mo- w- when he went, it was after God called him. You know what I mean? After God called him, then he went. At least that's the way it reads in the text. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that he had a sentimental desire to kind of fulfill his father's dream to get the, which that could have been it. But you just have to kind of fill it in, you know. Sure. I got to run through real quick because I'm running out of time. All right, so <laughs> God's, uh, I, I guess at the end of the day, God's promises, I think that we got to really kind of sit on that concept that, that God's promises don't always deliver kind of ease or comfort right. uh, to those who agree to follow him, you know, and enter a relationship with him. Right. Suffering is actually a necessary part of the pilgrim's perfection Amen. and maturity. If God gave blessings without suffering, we would conflate morality with pleasure. And we would serve God for what pleasure we could get out of the whole deal. But <laughs> by delaying gratification or allowing time to pass between the actual promise and its fulfillment, we actually have the time to develop virtues like patience, wow. like faith, wow. like hope, <laughs> and like character that helps us to follow even when we don't get the award, reward immediately. Because that is what it takes to flourish in God's kingdom. Yeah. That, that, that's how God does it. That's right. And so Abram is a prototypical kind of, he's the guy, the archetype, just to show us often what it does take, mm-hmm. what it costs sometimes mm-hmm. to, to be in this kind of covenant relationship with this particular God who might promise you some of the most amazing things, but you might not get it right away. Mm-hmm. And you might need to develop a lot of <laughs> fortitude you know, before you get it, right? Um, and so, in, you know, as we close it out, you know, we got that whole thing where you, you kind of, ha- you, you got to deal with your boy, Abram, you know, he's, so he's now he's outside of the will, you know, he, he decided to go get the bread, you know, he's, and now he's, now he's in Egypt, you know, kicking it, right? And he's like, verse 11, you know, they about to go into the, you know, through the gate. Oh, hey, Sarai, I got hold up, hold up, you know, 
you look so good. And, you know, uh, when the Egyptians see you, they may go, man, this is his wife. And then they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. So, you know, here's the deal. Say you're my sister, and then I'll be treated well, you know, for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Wow, man, you are just, Abram, why such a shrewd guy, you know? Um, so, <laughs> once again, this is, a, is this a decision out of faith or fear? You know what I'm saying? It's a similar thing. It's like, you have options. Okay, if you're, now if you're in Egypt, you still can exhibit some of the qualities that you know that this God would respect and appreciate, uh, which is a trust. Like, okay, I'm in Egypt. He can take care of me here just as well as he can take care of me in Haran, just as well as he can take care of me between Haran and the promised land. He can, he can, I'm just going to trust. I don't need to devise all that. But he still decides to live out of fear and faith. And I love this quote from Bruce Waltke. He was like, basically he said, their philosophy is better defiled than dead. In other words, what's a little white lie? At least we'll stay alive. This is not a philosophy that establishes God's kingdom in a pagan world. It's that compromise, you know, like the, that scheming and not trusting, not trusting, you know, the heart of God. Yeah. In all my years as a Christian, one of the biggest challenges, and, and it's Abraham going to Egypt. Was Abraham being responsible because there was no food in Canaan and he's wanting to feed his family so he goes to Egypt and runs into some trouble runs into some so but was he being responsible or was he being faithless by not staying in the land that God called him to and I think a lot of times you know when we're thinking of what to do it's like well if I if I stay here my family might starve. We might have trouble. It might be hard. So I'm going to do the responsible thing and go where there's food. Now, I don't know the answer, but it's sort of, there's faith, and then there's being responsible, and there's a chasm in between it, and it's hard to define. Right, and, that, and that's why in the text, you know, it doesn't say, you know, and Abram was a, knucklehead and went to Egypt. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't just totally just jack him up in his character, right? And I think any of us could understand it's a famine. It's just, it's just when you see it played out, it feels as though maybe those weren't the most faithful decisions, but again, I think they're understandable. Um, and then, you know, verses 14 to 16, Abraham benefits greatly. You know what I mean? Like he gets, Pharaoh's hooking him up. I mean, he's like, wow, like, He's like, Sarai is beautiful. April, let's hook, his, let's hook her brother up, you know. Um, and so, and if you want to do a little deep dive, you can do a Google search. Maybe I haven't done the Google search. I had to read in a book. But like the trickster theme, um, actually, a lot of uh, like Hebrew literature, a lot of times the trickster is actually the hero. In other words, the shrewd trickster, when, when you're uh, oppressed people and you're, when you're kind of powerless and you're up against a stronger nation or whatever, oftentimes your only, your only way to survive is to be a trickster. And so there's a whole thing of literature on how they really respected the ability to be kind of like a deviant trickster sometimes in certain situations. But that's another thing. You can look that up on your own. Um, so then in verse 17, it says, the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. 
Hmm, does this sound like foreshadowing to you? <laughs> what does it sound like to you? Exodus. Exodus. Pharaoh, Egypt, plagues. You know? And the, and the Jews leave with all the good stuff, right? Um, the, again, just a little bit of a yeah, foreshadowing about what, what goes on. Did you say, I'm sorry, did I miss you? I'm sorry. My peripheral is getting weak, bro. (laughs) I was just thinking through where it talks about, uh, he just says he was forced to go to Egypt. And we often look at that like, oh, he went to get away from it. But I don't know if we've discussed where it talks about um, that God's going to bless all the families on earth through Abraham. And so if God's controlling the family, it could be God does not want Abraham to imitate his father. He's called to leave his father's family, his father's way, to keep going. Because God's going to bless him and bless the people. And I wonder if there's not a lesson for us in... There's plenty of places in the city where we might not want to go. Or even people in our neighborhoods we might not want to reach out to. Mm-hmm. Who may, in God's provision, have a blessing for us. Or we could be a blessing to them. Mm-hmm. But we think we're being more pious by staying put. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if Egypt was not meant to be a curse to Abraham, but God forced him in there so that he could have blessed Pharaoh. Then he introduces this whole, like, no, no, I'm going to scheme that. I'm going to trick Pharaoh. And it brings calamity. Right. So what God should have been blessing is actually a curse. You basically took my, my, my finale, bro. You just, you know. <laughs> Abraham, uh, 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 it, so Abram fails multiple tests of faith, perhaps, and ethics, you know, but God proves faithful. Um, nevertheless, Abraham, Abram pays the price. He does not, you don't see him getting closer to God in Egypt, but one. He builds no altars, there's no worship. Other places he's building off, no worship. He brings no blessing to others. That, exactly, like, not only does he not bring blessing to others, he gets rebuked by a, somebody who worships a pagan God. <laughs> you know, like, he's supposed to be a blessing to the nations. He goes, cheats, lies, tries to finagle, and gets kicked out. So that's why I say, like, I'm not saying the Bible says he shouldn't have gone to Egypt per se, per se. But man, th- whatever, it, it's, there's nothing really great. And then he, and then of course, we, as we know, he picks up some slaves on the, as he's in Egypt. So he has an Egyptian slave that he's going to now, he, he wouldn't have had before. Now he's going to take an Egyptian slave with him back to the promised land. And we already know what, <laughs> what you know, so... So there's a lot of negative, a lot of things you go, mm, and that decision was pretty costly, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, he, he, he could have been a blessing to the nation. What if God really wanted to use him as a blessing uh, to Egypt? But look what he did. He ended up kind of making God's name kind of not so great. But so we're at eight o'clock. I mean, I, there's a couple comments. I'll still take them. So you want, Bonnie, did you have one? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just thinking as we were just going over everything and how everything transpired and Abram um, not standing on God's word and the covenant that he um, had promised him. I just thought about the enemy and how he works, like what was going on in his mind. And I'm sure, you know, the devil, is he's always scheming, he's always plotting, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy and get us off track for what God has for us. So I can just imagine as he's seeing these things, the enemy is planning these thoughts in his mind, and the more that he listens to the enemy instead of standing on God's word, the further away he gets from the plan that God has for him. And that's for our lives as well. It applies to 
things that go on in our lives, like the more that we're not in God's word and standing on it, it gives the enemy a foothold to plant those those seeds in our mind and get us further away from whatever it is. Right. And oftentimes the, the, the trajectory is away from lack towards plenty. And I think, yeah, but see, if you just turn the stone to bread, you'll be fine. You actually have the power to do it. Who's supposed to not eat for 40 days? That's not even good. What dad would make a kid not eat for you? Right? So, so I'm just saying, like, oftentimes what seems like the place to go is the place of abundance. But sometimes God is saying, I still got you in this wilderness with no food. I still got you. I still got you. I can take you a thousand miles to a place you've never been. I still got you. I can make you, tell you to make a boat and you ain't never seen rain. But I'm telling you, you're going to need it. I got you. I mean, just weird stuff, right? And so it feels like that's the way the text keeps going. But it's but but we got to look at these people. These are real people. And you and I would have done the same things. And thank God it's written in here. We get to kind of read it and go, man, because I can to be honest with you, I would have gone to Egypt. Yeah. I mean, I just mean honest. I probably would have gone to Egypt. That's my temperament. I'm a little risk averse. I probably would, That seems the wiser move. I probably would have gone to Egypt. I'm not, so I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I get it, but man, I hope as I get older, I, at least I see that, you know, I think the older I get, I do think my imagination, my, my faith imagination is growing and I see other options more now than I did before. Yeah. And now, if, now at this stage of my walk, I might not go, be so quick to go to Egypt because I feel like I've, I've read so many, you know, I think I can hold out a little bit longer, you know, but, you know, but. That's why we should engage these scriptures and engage the people. And, and I love how we're trying to put ourselves in their, in their, in their situations and, and try to see how they're thinking. I think that's what, that's what, that's what the text is calling us to do. And uh, it's beautiful when we do that, you know. And uh, so I think we can learn a lot. Yes, I hadn't, we haven't heard from you today. Yeah, I'm just like, so I'm curious to understand if there's any insight. I think I have an idea, but on how like men viewed women at this point. Because I'm having such a hard time imagining giving my wife up to another man. Like, I mean, I'm not married, but just like in my head, I'm like, what? I would have rather starve, I, I, I think, you know. Sure. So I'm just kind of like, what in the world? What? I don't know. That just seems so crazy to me. Like, just like, you know, for the sake of my own life, a, you know, Pharaoh, you, whatever. Yeah. I'm over here. I'm la- living lavish. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand, like... Yeah, the way it kind of reads is, like, it's... it's. There's another story that we're going to get to uh, with Shechem and uh, Jacob's daughter, Dinah or Dina, depending on who you, who you listen to. And there's, But there's a moment where they actually let Dina kind of go, in a sense, you know, it, because it wasn't immediately, like, just going to sleep with her. And so even this, some, some of the things I was reading about was saying, it wasn't like she, she was going to go in there and just immediately start sleeping with the Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably had tons, like, I think Esther, you know, probably had yeah. tons of women. I mean, her chance might not have come up, but it, in other words, he's buying time. Mm-hmm. He's buying time. And, you know, so I'm not lessing. It's still crazy. Yeah. It's still bad. <laughs> and he gets repeated multiple times with, it, this happens again. And so... <laughs> And it's like he's pimping his wife because while she's in there, he's getting paid. You know what I mean? And it's like, what is going on here, right? This is trafficking. You know what I mean? 
with your and and by the way, <laughs> technically it is his half sister, which we didn't even get into that. <laughs> Sarai is his half sister, according to Genesis twenty twelve. Sarai had another wife, but we don't have we don't know who she was because Sarai was his daughter with another woman. They had the same dad. Sarai, so Sarai and Abram are brother and sister. Have brother and sister. We didn't get into all that. Hallelujah! There's a lot going on. Who's, uh, we got yes, yes. supposed to be there, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last uh, pedal and then Mike. Yeah. Or Greg and Mike. I I think just um, after going through all of this, um, I see see it as Abraham starting to understand (coughs) who God is. It's not clear to me that he understands much about God when God first calls him. And it seems like as he's going through and he's making these mistakes and he's connecting and he's worshiping. It's like it's like we're watching his faith develop. Sure. To the point yeah. at which he can stand over his son. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that's the, just, exactly. Yeah. That's what we're seeing. You know, we, we're getting we're getting day one. Yeah. And it's the it's the maturation. It's the waiting on things. It's the mm-hmm. and over time we're going to start seeing him, you know, make some choices and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right here it's a it's a baby Christian kind of vibe. Like, yeah. Yeah. oh wow. Yeah. You, uh, I don't know if that was a great idea to to go to the club with your ex boyfriend at three in the morning. Like, <laughs> but hey, I know you're trying to follow God. I love you, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pretty amazing, isn't it? That Abraham's a father, of father of the faith, faithful, right? And so we're, he's all messed up. He's a father of the faithful, and it gives me a new insight into Romans eight twenty eight. And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Yep. And I think now more about Abraham in this part of it. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And then in verse 30, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And I see that progression in Abraham. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can tag along because y'all are one. I get the game. Uh-huh. I think this also shows us the grace of God. That's right. In Hebrews 11, it doesn't say, Abram made a lot of mistakes. It was really bad. Right. But still, you know, he's, you know, it wasn't even mentioned. Exactly. Isn't that great? Yeah, I mean, great. doesn't that give us, you know, a little bit of like, wow, he was trying to make decisions. But at the end of the day, you look at the overarching narrative of his life and he's, he's, faithful person you know and it says things like he didn't even waver he's like yeah. amen all right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know <clears throat> yeah i'm seeing some weight <laughs> um i love the point that pedal made about seeing seeing abraham grow and develop 
Right. Uh, when we get to chapter 13, it says there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Right. So he's learning. I just came out of Egypt where I wasn't talking to God too much. Mm-hmm. Look at all this bad stuff that happened. Huh. Maybe I should start praying. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's God. Cons- he, he always wants us. But if, look at our prayer life. How much yeah. is something I think most of us, I, I certainly have struggled with most of my life. Right? Not just having a time to pray, but having a lifestyle where I'm constantly asking God for His His guidance and, and then getting growing in my discernment. And I've heard it talked about like, you know, God says, hey, let's go on this journey. And we're like, okay, I'll drive. Where's the map? <clears throat> Jesus says, there's no map. I'm going with you. I'll tell you turn by turn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, man. I've uh, enjoyed the... Uh, the time to be together tonight. Love your thoughts and in the spirit of uh, the spirit of Genesis twelve, you know. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Dwayne. Oh, I was making fun of Tawina for not raising her hand high enough. Oh, <laughs> oh Tawina, I'm sorry. Well, I guess I think what's so fascinating to me about God is how He calls us before we are who we're supposed to be. Because mm-hmm. Abraham wasn't anything. God said, I'm going to make you this. So I think yeah. it's, a, it's a tendency for us to show up to God dressed and ready and prepped, but it, he's just calling us. And then while we're with him, he wants to do the work while we're with him. Because the work doesn't happen outside of him. He's like, yeah. okay, you come in here, and then I'll work on you in here, not out there. So I love that God declares all these things about him mm-hmm. before he knows who he God really is in a way. Yeah. Before he faithfully follows him. Because God, that's God's heart for him. Like, yeah. I want to, this is my end of the bargain. This is my covenant with you. So I just, yeah. God's heart with us is so incredible in that way that he just, his promises over us are just beyond. But he wants to get us there. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like, kind of like begin with the end in mind. He kind of like begins with the end. This is what I have for you. Now I'm going to get you there. You just come. With me. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. That's right. Yep. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So love you guys. Have a good night. Amen. Gracias. Yeah.